Hello and welcome to the Should I Go See It podcast. I'm your host, Bill George. With me as always, AJ Rebecca. What's going on, Bill? What's going on, AJ? Oh, nothing much. Uh, today we are talking about 1917, directed by Sam Mendes. Uh, do you have a, a description of this one, AJ? Uh, I do have a synopsis. IMDb states that 1917 is a film about two young British soldiers during the First World War that are given an impossible mission, deliver a message deep in enemy territory that will stop 1,600 men and one of the soldier's brothers from walking straight into a deadly trap. Bill, should I go see it? Yes. With an asterisk, I guess I would say. Can we ever, like, are we ever going to get a straight yes or a straight no? It's a yes. It's a yes. But that doesn't mean... But be, I still have a lot to talk about. It'd be a real short show if that were the case. <laughs> yeah, Thank yeah, you, Greg. That's why we're here. The, the website is the yes. Way. This is the chance to explain it. Okay, let's back up. Before we dive into all the things, because we both are people that can easily go right into the negative. <laughs> sure. Let's back up a few okay. paces. Sure. I remember maybe two years ago, year and a half ago, either you posted on Facebook or I messaged you and I was like, did you see this mm-hmm. thing on like Variety that... Sam Mendes mm-hmm. and Roger Deakins are doing a movie about World War One that's going to be a one take. And I heard you, the buttons on your pants <laughs> from all the way in Auburndale just shoot off into the night sky. I mean, we were pumped about oh, it. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's an exciting uh, concept for sure. You have uh, the Great War, which is not depicted a ton, uh, especially nowadays. No. You have Sam Mendes, uh, who is a great director. You have Roger Deakins, who is the best cinematographer in the business, sure, uh, all coming together, and then when you add in the element of they are going to make it as if it is, it is edited in such a way to look like it is one prolonged take the entire movie. Uh, I mean, that all sounds very exciting, and it delivered uh, in a lot of ways. I just think that there were some things I wish they had changed about it. All right, let's start with the most important thing that I think about 1917. It is not another war movie, right? The way that um, it was shot um, is what they call a one shot, a one take, a one shot. There's many names you can call it, but the idea is if you are seeing all the action take Mm -hmm. place without a cut from the camera, right? Like you're following these people basically quote unquote in real time as they make their way through their mission. Right. Birdman was another, a famous movie recently that was a one take movie. Um, I, enjoyed that perspective i feel as though you are not a big fan of how it came out so yeah so this this idea of the one take this has been around a while this is not a new idea as you mentioned birdman did it uh the first time i remember seeing it is uh rope from alfred hitchcock i don't know if you saw that one yeah that was like the the first i believe that was the first one to really do it first commercial movie to do it uh in this movie i think there are parts where it works really, really well, benefits the story, benefits the audience experience. Uh, and I think there are parts where it's unnecessary. So personally, I would have preferred if they use this technique maybe two to three times in the movie during certain key scenes that would have heightened those scenes. And I wish the rest was shot regularly. Okay. Uh, so for example, a movie like Children of Men, oh, when you think of, of that movie, one shots you of think all of the one shot in the car uh, with Julianne Moore. Like, that's what you think of when you think of that movie. And I think in this movie, if they had done the one take situation for the opening sequence, when they first kind of cross into no man's land, if they kept that as a one take, and then the final sequence, uh, if they kept that finale as a one take, 
if they did that and like bookended it with those exceptional, exceptional scenes where it really fit for that moment, I think it would have been great. The fact that they make it the entire movie, I think really hurts the impact of it. And I think it adds a lot of complications to pacing and a lot of complications to story and character development because people don't talk incessantly for two straight hours. So you're not, there's not a lot of dialogue because realistically there wouldn't be a lot of dialogue. Sure. But without any dialogue and without cutting two scenes, because normally a movie would cut two scenes where there is dialogue and forget the rest, we have to see all of it. So we're just getting not a lot of dialogue, not a lot of story. We're kind of just watching two guys walk. It had a Lord of the Rings feel to me. It was like Lord of the Rings, the two trenches, where we're just following two guys just walking <laughs> uh, the entire movie. And again, when they run into adversity, there are certain moments that are great, but they still have to fill in all those gaps in between. And they don't do it quite as real time. There are actually some sequences where they just linger on a shot and then they just change the time of day. And we're meant to think that like hours have passed potentially. But instead you're just sitting on one shot without any relief of cutting and knowing that there's no relief cut coming where yeah. they're just like the pacing just in the middle, it just drags for me where I'm like, why are we doing this? Like, I don't feel a need or like they get in a car to travel a long distance and then you're just stuck with the shot just in the car waiting for them to travel. Like it did not serve the story well in the middle of the movie. I think the opening was, was grabbing and fantastic. I think the finale is outstanding and I wish they just kept it to that and made those the two takes that we'd be talking about right now. That sure. would be our podcast is, oh my God, those two shots. Yeah. Instead, it's like, yeah, there's great moments, but I also think there's issues. So I just don't know that it was the best decision personally. So you, I mean, if you were Sam Mendes and you mm -hmm. were directing, you probably would have used Mr. Roger Deakins in a more Roger Deakins way. Yeah, I think the way, the reason this works is because of Roger Deakins. So Roger Deakins is a cinematographer and the, the job of the cinematographer also known as the director of photography, is to craft the look of the film, the composition of the shots, the color. They help make the director's vision come true, but ultimately they're the one who actually like set up the cameras in the right place and make it look the way they want it to look. Yeah. And Deakins is the best there is. So like a couple examples of his work. Uh, he last partnered with Sam Mendes on Skyfall, which if you've seen all the Daniel Craig Bond movies, I think it's, I think it's pretty evident to even the average viewer that's there's something different about Skyfall and that that movie is gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, Blade Runner 2049, also beautiful movie. Any Deacons movie, if you pause it at any point, you're looking at what could be a, a painting. Photograph. A painting. Yeah. yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah, No Country for Old Men, True yeah. Grit, Fargo. Yeah, like, a lot of Coen Brothers work. Yeah. Uh, the Village, uh, which I know is not necessarily a fan favorite for everybody. I, I personally movie. love it. Yeah. Uh, that movie is also the most beautiful M. Night Shyamalan movie there is. Yep. Uh, he is. He is so good. And so when that's why I was excited to see it. And I think that because his, his composition, his color, his everything makes this work better than it even should. Yeah. But even with Deacons at the helm, I still think it would have been a better decision to, to save that special gimmick, so to speak, for beginning and end and let the middle of the movie play normally, I think would have been less of a distraction. How did you feel about, so, I mean, the whole purpose of the film you, through the synopsis and watching the trailer Said so it focuses around just two guys, right? It's the track right. of two men. Right. Uh, we've seen like Dunkirk kind of follows the lives of four different people in the course of a battle or their vignette of war. Yep. Saving Private Ryan at the end of the day really only follow, it followed the platoon, but really focused on two or three people. Right. 
this is more intimate approach with just two people with the one shot. Yep. Do you think it worked from a character development standpoint? Yes and no. I think uh, I think in those certain sequences it works really well, but overall there's not a lot there. It it felt video gameish to me. Like these are like we are following because it's almost at times like a third party camera, like a like a third party action game where you're just following these two guys walking, yeah. like we talked about. So there were times where it felt like they were more like avatars than they were human beings because we don't get a ton of backstory on them or, or story about them. There's no flashbacks. There's none of that stuff because, again, they're so committed to this one shot. So you just don't get a lot. So you kind of have to do a lot of projecting and you just kind of follow the two, which I think is fine if I think they trimmed it because yeah. Dunkirk follows, like you said, a couple different storylines. And this is, I feel like this is almost the anti-Dunkirk Dunkirk, because Dunkirk is all about just like cutting and, and editing and jumping between time. And this stays on one shot. So it's very different in in how they execute it. But the, but Dunkirk is similar to this in that it's no-name people. We don't even know the characters' yeah. names. We don't know their backstories. And we just follow them through this experience. But I thought, personally, I thought Dunkirk was more effective. And part of that is because Dunkirk was only an hour and 45 minutes. This is like a full two hours. And when you add in some of those middle parts where you're just kind of like waiting for the camera to, or for them to move on to the next thing or the next level or the next whatever, uh, it that's where it lost me a little bit. So I think I see the parallels that that you're making for sure in terms yeah. of story. But I, I personally prefer the Dunkirk execution a little bit more. So I feel as though, and I could be wrong, but I think I'm right. Is that you gave it a yes. I also gave it a yes, but it's uh, no one cares what I think. I also gave it a yes, right? Um, we kind of harped on all the things that we really didn't like about it. Fair, fair point. We probably should talk about the things that we actually enjoyed about it and why we gave it, gave it a yes. Yeah, okay. So this is a classic example of a movie that I do really like at the end of the day. And that's why I harp on it because I I see the, the greatness the that is there. Yeah. And like just wish they made some tweaks to it. But- Going to what is actually on the screen in front of us, I think the composition, like you said, Deacons, all this stuff, every shot is gorgeous, yeah. just like any other Deacons movie. So it's it's great to look at. The stuff that they pull off in the one shot and like watching the camera moves, granted, I think that the thing itself is a little distracting, but it's still remarkable. Like it is a technical marvel. And seeing, and I would recommend, I wish I had seen an IMAX. I would recommend seeing this movie in the largest setting you can because it really is breathtaking. It's crazy. Um, and it's gorgeous. Like they go into basically rural um, Europe and like the, they, they hit on a dun bunch of different uh, locations as they're making their walk. Not, and each one is a little bit different. Yeah, I think they're in the French countryside, yeah, I believe. Yeah, it's, yeah but it it's shows gorgeous. like how, um, like, because you think of, okay, like war, right? Like they're going to invade France or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. You think of like just mass destruction, but like the battle doesn't take place in all of these different places. So like they obviously have like these battlefields and then all of a sudden like, you know, a couple miles down the road, it's like this beautiful, pristine countryside that isn't right. touched. And then they continue to walk to the next front line and there's just massive fucking trenches, you know? Yeah, and it's yeah. just like, they do a good job. I will say I feel like they did a great job with scale, even though that it's a, like a basically a tight, almost like 50 millimeter, 85 millimeter crop on these two people for the entire movie. They do kind of create a pretty good sense of how big yeah. the, the, the 
the the area was. Yeah, when they when they have those moments where they they go over the top into no man's land, like you can't help but just like hold your breath while yeah. you're watching it. It's just really really executed very well. And there are times where like the music I thought was a little inconsistent. It's not my favorite part of the movie. There yeah, are times where they weird. Let, sometimes it's like big strings. Sometimes it's like Dunkirk intensity, Hans Zimmer. But my favorite parts were when they just let the sound drop out and let the music drop out. Like that's when I was really into yeah. it. And it's aided by the sound design uh, and the sound work, which I thought was incredible as well. A lot of technical uh, achievements in it for sure. Yeah, I think a, a lot of people don't understand, right? Like there's a couple wide shots of when they're going through no man's land and they're going through bunkers and stuff, right? There's no, there's no headspace for a boom mic operator to capture audio on set, sure. right? So the Foley artists, the sound effects guys in a sound studio have to reinvent all of those mm -hmm. footprints and those noises with objects to make it sound like it's really there. And like you said, when there's no music and it's just sound effects, when it's just ambient noise, it's pretty, what? Craig's laughing. No, yeah, there's just a couple of guys walking through a whole lot of jello in a soundstage. <laughs> yeah, in Hollywood somewhere. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Just walking just on bags of sand, squishing around. But there. that's the thing; it's crazy. Like that's yeah. someone's job, and they, I think, they did a fantastic job with it. There's a couple scenes early in the movie that definitely go to your point of pacing. Like I feel like they 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 started really strong. Yeah, really, Open, really opening twenty strong. minutes are just remarkable, and then it kind of died down. The ending picked up. But yeah, I think the pacing for me was a big issue. Um, but I think the marvel of how it was shot and how it's put together kind of makes up for it. If you go online, there's a couple actually behind the scenes, uh, not documentaries, but shorts from the crew there on how they did all of the things that they did to make it what it was. Mm -hmm. um, I uh, Seven, eight minutes each, but how they built... Um, small replicas and they had to pace off everything every single shot and time it because everything's done in real time so it right. kind of showed all the the work that went into it and um yeah i mean i don't think i'm going to be watching this again like i can watch saving private ryan sure once every three months right and be like oh fuck it's still as good still as it great. was still great still works uh, this is kind of like a one and done for me did its thing i would tell people to go watch it but after that i think yeah, I think it's worth worth seeing, worth uh, experiencing in particular. Like uh, watching this on a flight is probably a bad idea. Like this is something you definitely should get to the theater to go see uh, if you can. And I think it's I think that element of it is worth it. The spectacle is worth it, even if there are certainly lots of things I think they could have done to make it like an all time great. Instead, it's just a very very good, which is I mean that's not easy to do. So I I appreciate what they did. What, um, what would you recommend before we sign off? What would you recommend if People didn't want to go to the theater and wanted to rent something at home instead. Hmm. I, I think mean, the Children think, of think, Men poll was... Yeah. Children of Men, if you're looking for... If you're interested in this, if you, or maybe you've seen this and you really liked what they did with the one-take thing and you hadn't seen that before or you're curious what that's like, Yeah, uh, Children of Men is, is a great one to watch. It's got a couple... It's got three, I think, three. at least. Yeah. Uh, sequences in there that are one shot for a prolonged period of time that are outstanding. Birdman, you mentioned. Uh, one Best Picture... Solid flick. They do the one take thing. They do it a little bit differently. They do definitely throw in some hard cuts and they just kind of play with it a little bit more. Yep. Uh, which helps with the pacing on that one. Um, otherwise, was, any other? I mean, yeah, yeah. we already hit the big, you the know big what war I was movies. Dunkirk, same Prime Ryan. Uh, uh, Revenant. 
I also kind of was thinking about Revenant when Revenants, I watched it. It's yeah. kind of gritty, like really gritty, emotional, yeah. uh, shot kind of different than a lot of other films. Uh, the way they shot Revenant was basically all natural light and yep. very, very wide lenses, yep. even for really short um, dialogue scenes, which gives this really weird perspective on yeah. things, but is a little different. You don't see a lot. Do you think this will win Best Picture is the question. It got Best Drama at the Golden Globes. It is one of the nine nominees for Best Picture at the Academy Awards coming up. No. Really? Yeah, I don't think, no. I think it's going to win. You do? Yeah. For two reasons. One, uh, Hollywood loves gimmicks. They love a good movie. Well, they love war. They love gimmicks, especially. That's, I think, why Birdman won and things like that. Um, Yeah, but Birdman was like, Birdman was really fucking good. Because not only was it shot completely different, it was just a weird movie. Sure. And uh, wasn't the director of Birdman the same director for The Revenant? Uh, the the director for Birdman was Inurito. Uh, I don't remember if he did Revenant. Might have been him. Yeah. Huh. Uh, I think it's going to win because they love stuff like this, technical achievements. And I think it's going to win because of preferential balloting. Because I feel like uh, movies like... Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I think the people that like them really like them, but the people that don't really don't versus I think everybody kind of likes 1917. And I just feel like with the preferential balloting they do now. Nobody hated it. Right. The movies that everybody pretty much likes end up winning out longer versus the ones that are a little more polarizing, even if we could argue they're better. Oh, another one take I thought of the first like 16 minutes of Gravity is also a one take. That's pretty cool. I think that movie gave me like vertigo. It was like. (laughs) No, not as bad as when I like, so gravity made me feel like just like anxiety for yeah, like, yeah, sp- yeah. just because it felt claustrophobic and then like too expansive. The first time I watched Interstellar was in IMAX and I literally felt like the biggest piece of shit in the entire <laughs> galaxy. In, it was like, watching oh, Interstellar? Just existential, just dread. Oh, sure. Yeah, it's a heavy movie. Heavy. Heavy. Murder. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you for listening to the Should I Go See It podcast. Please make sure to, to subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at Should I Go See It. Tell your friends. Leave comments. 